Today's week 15 edition of Wrapping Up is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, use my code GRINDHOUR at checkout to get $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's code GRINDHOUR at checkout to get $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Okay, Nick. Oh, well, well. Our teams are in somewhat of peril, somewhat of optimism, and the NFL is kind of confusing again. Not so much, but kind of confusing again. Yep. The Pats have lost two straight. The Rams have lost two straight. Uh, the Cowboys look like the best team in the NFL and then lost to Indy. The Titans have come out of nowhere since they got off the mat against the Jets. But let's start local and let's start with your Giants because I texted you, I think it was Monday morning last week when I saw this thing with the Giants where they were mathematically still alive and I tweeted you, this is still possible. I'll, yeah. I'll actually pull up the scenario in which they, in which we thought it was going to happen. I wouldn't say we thought it was going to happen. We thought it was we plausible. It definitely, it had a chance of happening. It had a decent chance. No, but we definitely thought it was plausible. Yeah, yeah. Here is the scenario. The Giants... When the Giants win out, mm-hmm. Dallas over Philly, Seattle over Minnesota, Carolina loses two out of three, Philly loses two out of three, Minnesota loses two out of three, Green Bay loses one out of three, and then the Giants went out. So Carolina would have to lose to New Orleans, Atlanta, or New Orleans again. Philly would have to lose to L.A., Houston, or Washington. Minnesota would have to lose to uh, Miami, Detroit, or Chicago. And Green Bay, Chicago, the Jets, or Detroit. Green Bay already lost. They lost against Chicago. Carolina might lose Monday night. And Philly and Minnesota took care of business this past weekend. But Houston's a tough team, and who knows what the hell could happen with Washington for Philly. And then Minnesota, Detroit is a tough team. They're not going to beat the doors off of anybody, but this time of year, always late, they're a tough team to to eliminate because they always play spoiler. And then Week 17 against Chicago, that's a really good game. I know it's home, but Chicago looks like the best team in football right now, or at least one of the best teams in football. So the Giants really dropped the ball here. They really did. I think that's the story of the, the entire season is how much the Giants could have had a chance if they just took care of business, but they couldn't get out of their own way. Yeah, it, uh, I couldn't have said it any better. And it's such a, it, 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 you're exactly right. It's a perfect microcosm of the season because just the week after, it's like the team version of Fool's Gold. <laughs> the week after they put together the best game of their season, they have 
a terrible performance against Tennessee Tight the Tennessee Titans, a team that was seven and six coming into this game. You easily could have won this game, but and and you were whole. And but Eli throws no touchdowns and an interception. Saquon Barkley has only thirty one yards rushing, so after his best game he follows that up with his worst game. Average of two yards a carry. Uh, Odell was out, so you know what are you going to do as far as that goes. But Sterling Shepard didn't step up. Evan Engram didn't step up. Benny Fowler didn't step up. Ingram Saquon dropped the touchdown. Easily... What's that? Ingram dropped the touchdown at the end of that game. Which, yeah. I mean, I mean they were down Barclay 17. Barkley was usually but... a threat in the passing game. He was a non-factor. So... It's it's just it's just a total shame, you know. This this was the chance that they could have they could have pulled back into contention. They would have been six and eight with two games left to go, and and the teams could have eased the Giants and the, I mean the, the Cowboys and Eagles were in a position to collapse, and it just this. Same old thing the past few years with this team. They couldn't get it done when they really needed to. And it's, it's, just, a, it's just a shame. And, you know, it's, it's, it's why I was stunned that this team thought they could compete this year. And it's why we've seen over and over again that that was the wrong decision to try to go for it this year. Because they're just not ready. They show flashes where they can be, like that game last week. Barkley's an ta- exceptional talent. Odell's an exceptional talent. But this team just can't compete. Eli doesn't have it anymore. I wouldn't and- say that. Honestly, I seriously would not say that. I think Eli has about a year left, given that he has a decent line. When Eli doesn't have any offensive line in front of him and the, and the defensive line is living in the backfield the entire game... Yeah, he looks like a 38-year-old uh, quarterback who has no help. But what that game really showed me was how important Odell is to this offense. People can say what they want about Barkley and him being a once-in-a-generation type talent and him being the right pick. All well and good, but Odell is the most important player on the Giants, and when he's off the field, the entire team looks different, and the entire offense is different. And they lose games because they need Odell for Barkley to be good. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, it makes it makes total sense. And it's it's as a as a fan of this team who supported them through thick and thin, it's just it's just so disappointing. I'm not one of those people that's going to give up on the team. I'm not going to. I'm not saying this to be like I'm I'm done with this. I'm going to jump ship. I love the Giants. But guys, come on, you're just crushing me week <laughs> after week, season after season. Please Welcome to my entire put, life, dude. Put put the plan into put the rebuilding plan into place and commit to it and none of this fool's gold and build a winner. Build a winner the right way. Please, that's all I ask. I think you're in, in good hands, and I honestly think Eli has another, another year left. I would hope that he had two years left just in case um, a quarterback emerges the following year and you can bring him in and really teach 
the the rookie quarterback what a pro is with Eli in the building. But transitioning to my Jets. Just real quick. Go ahead. Just real quick. I want to say, because you brought up the uh, young quarterback transition, why is it that late in the game yesterday, Kyle Loletta doesn't get a shot? Because this is, uh, we've seen it the entire year. Shermer seems like his job's on the line, and he wants to win every single game because he was brought in as a guy who's going to coach a playoff football team, and he still thinks that his guys are a playoff caliber. That's clearly you, what he's doing. Do you think that if they miss the playoffs this year, he'll lose his job? No. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not no, saying not that. No, not a shot in the world. Curious. No, I don't. I I think you know why you hired Shermer, and I wouldn't hold this season against him because it's the same thing with the Jets. The upper management misevaluated their talent, and they thought they were a playoff team. They're not, so I wouldn't hold it against Shermer. Plus, it's Eli in his third system in four years, so. There's obviously going to be some learning curves there. I wouldn't hold the season against Shermer. I think he's a pretty decent coach. I think you're in the right hands with him once he gets his groove going. And once he establishes an identity for this offense, give him another year to get Barkley and Odell acclimated to this offense. You bring in a rookie quarterback, you have two studs as weapons and hopefully a veteran quarterback who's going to be a Hall of Famer to groove this quarterback into the next generation, I think you're fine. I really don't think that this is a blow the entire thing up and start from scratch. You just need a quarterback. That's really, it's what the Jets had after they got rid of Sanchez, they had the infrastructure in place. They just didn't have the quarterback, and they were right there every single year, and they would just fall off because of who they had under center. So, and it's not really, and it's not like I'm shitting on Eli here. I'm really shitting on the offensive line and situational defense. That's really what that's what's lacking with the Giants this year. It's not the quarterback play. It's not the play of Odell or, or Barkley. So now transitioning to my Jets, who just did this, they do the exact same thing every single year. They get our hopes up in a game against a really good opponent, and then they just throw it all away. What I don't understand, and this is just where I'm going to start with my team, why wasn't DeAndre Hopkins shadowed, doubled, any sort of mixed coverages against the guy. Why was he always one-on-one? -on -one? Why wasn't he shadowed by Tremaine Johnson? Why was Marcus Claiborne, or uh, Maurice Claiborne, put on DeAndre Hopkins on the most important play when you know, everyone knows who's a Jet fan, Claiborne holds every single time he's guarding a receiver. It never fails. And every big moment, He's going to get a penalty called on him, either for P.I. or for holding. Now, I know the ball was thrown out of bounds, but he clearly hooked him at the top of that route. You're going to get the flag call. He's not a good corner in crunch time. Put Trumaine Johnson on DeAndre Hopkins. That's why you paid him all that money. 
He's Trues balled out for two straight weeks against uh, Tennessee and then against Buffalo. So why not? Also, it's DeAndre fucking Hopkins. Put more mixed coverages against the guy. He's going to burn anybody eight times out of ten one-on-one. Especially if it's Daryl Roberts, uh, Maurice Claiborne, and Buster Screen. Like, what are we doing here? We had the game in our hands. All the momentum on our side. Darnold went down the field, scored the go-ahead touchdown. All we needed the defense to do was make one stop. They had him, and they let let him off the hook by putting a second-tier corner on a top-tier receiver. When you know that's what they're going to do, if you have single coverage against DeAndre Hopkins, no shit they're going to go to him in crunch time. No shit. And for right, du- yeah, I, I don't understand it. It's And Jeremy Bates, the same thing. On the offensive side, I can still call out plays based on the formation and situation that they're in. And I'm on the couch doing this. <laughs> but please have more creativity. Please. For the, for the next two weeks that you currently hold the position... Have a little bit of creativity. Now, completely or completely on the other side and completely positive, Sam Darnold, I love you. Mike McCagden, you actually picked the right player. This is our Christoph Sporzingis in the Phil Jackson era of the New York Knicks. He is our future. He is the greatest Jet quarterback since Joe Namath. And I'm not, I know he's played... Give or take 12 games. But the growth that he's shown in the past two weeks, when he needs to score in in the two-minute offense, he can do it. We haven't had that before, at least in my lifetime. Maybe end Testaverde and a little bit of Pennington, but we haven't had that in a very long time. And that's reassuring I, I'm very happy with Darnold, and he's shown a lot in the past two weeks. And if J.J. Watt's coming up to you after the game and saying you're going to be a really good pro, you're doing something right. Yeah, All the Jets need to do is just get weapons around the guy. They're going to have a bajillion dollars in cap room. So I would just load up on offensive weapons, sign everybody and their mother to try to make Darnold the next franchise quarterback and the guy that's going to win four Super Bowls in the next decade and draft a defensive player. And the thing is with the draft, everyone on Twitter is like, oh, I want to see Darnold do well, but I want the defense to do poorly so Bowles loses his job and we get a draft pick. What? Why don't we win games? If we we have a decent quarterback, we're in the games every single week. And we just, we can't make a play here or there and we lose the game. I agree, fire bowls. But I don't think that there is a player in this draft that's going to make the Jets that much better and a playoff team immediately. And everyone's saying, Bosa, what, what do you think the Cardinals are looking at at number one? They don't need a quarterback. They got their quarterback of the future. They're going for Bosa. He's not going to be there at three. And we're not leapfrogging... Uh, Oakland to to get two 
and Oakland's probably going to take a quarterback. So we, who, who else is there? I, I really think this is a one-player draft. Now, I haven't deep-dived into the prospects coming out, but there really isn't no, anybody else. Am I crazy here? Uh, no, I don't think you're crazy at all. Um, I, I couldn't, I don't, I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, you never want the draft is a crapshoot. I mean, you, you never want your team to lose. Tanking doesn't work in the NFL because nothing is a proven commodity. I mean, right. like half the league Nick switches Bosa, every year. Nick, yeah, Nick Bosa, who's probably the best defensive player in this draft. I think he's the best defensive player in the draft. I think he's probably going to go top two or three, depending on who needs a quarterback. He's I think he's going one. He could he could turn out he could break his leg in training camp and miss the whole season. And now where are you? I just knocked he, on he wood could, for the Buckeye, which I mean that should go to show you that I would want nobody to get hurt. But I think Bosa's going one in to Arizona. I mean he probably is, but I I I'm just saying like there's no guarantees of this stuff. Ed Oliver who's another great defensive player, not a guarantee. He's a fire. Gary, your boy. I, as much as help. as much as I would love Rashawn Gary, who knows? And I mean, he's a little bit undersized. As much as I love the guy, he's an undersized defensive lineman, linebacker type. If you want him yeah, to be Khalil Mack, have him bulk up. Aaron Oliver the, is a here's the thing. Nut, here's he's the thing. a nutshell. And here's the thing. I like we've discussed this before. I know I've discussed this before on this show. Like. The NFL draft is so much different from the, the baseball draft and the the basketball draft, where you're really front loaded. If you um in the in the bas- in the NBA draft, if you're not a top ten pick, you're probably not going to end up being an all star. In the baseball draft, if you're not in the first couple rounds, you're probably going to be in the minor leagues for seven eight years. You probably won't make the show. You could find NFL draft starting caliber Pro Bowl talent in the seventh round. You can find undrafted guys that turn out to be superstars. Yeah, how many so undrafted guys do we science. have each year? That yeah, look at look at what the Saints have done. The Saints have built this incredible nucleus of young talent, and it wasn't high draft picks. Alvin Kamara was a third round pick. You know. They've got these stud defensive guys that were picked in the fourth, fifth round. So I don't, I don't see the urgency to tank and get the the high draft pick. I just don't understand it. You you get the pick you get, and then you figure it out because there's always going to be someone available for you. Just to wrap up the Jets portion of this podcast, I would seriously, I would seriously look at Le'Veon Bell. Signing him, I would draft a defensive player, probably a linebacker over a defensive lineman, because we do need the that edge rusher from the linebacking from the linebacker position to rush the quarterback. I love Jordan Jenkins, but he's extremely streaky, and he isn't what we thought he was going to be. And he hasn't panned out thus far. Everyone's bitching and complaining about Leonard Williams, but if he's the only one rushing the passer, 
obviously he's going to draw some double teams and not be as effective. So we need that other guy in the, in the linebacking core. Darren Lee just got suspended last week for uh, PEDs. So, I mean, again, this is going to be a long process. It's not we need one player and all of a sudden we're a playoff team. No, you need to. The most important thing is developing Darnold, which it looks like they're doing, which is the only thing that this coaching staff can do to benefit this franchise in the long run, even if they don't have a long-term future here. But for for all the Jets fans saying, I want the, Donald to do good and the defense to do bad, the defense is better than the offense right now. That's just plain and simple. Moving on, but staying in the AFC East, the dreaded Death Star actually has a hole in it. It's not over yet. But it has a glaring hole. For the first time since 2009, the Patriots have five losses. This That was the year that Brady uh, Brady's ankle blew up. And then Matt Castle almost brought them to a playoff uh, seed. Yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm really happy. I bet you are. I love Patriots fans miserable. That that might, as much as I love the Jets winning, a Patriots loss and a Patriot fan being miserable, is it's neck and neck. It's there. It's very close to the amount of joy that that it brings me. Do the Patriots really have a problem here, or is it just a blip on the radar? They'll patch the thing up and they'll go to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, I actually think they do have a blip on the radar. I mean, I don't think that that means they're going to miss the playoffs this year, obviously, because they're in an easy division for them to win. I don't think they're going to I, – I think they could also still win a playoff game, but I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl, and I think they're starting to show some cracks. I mean, you look at Tom Brady – He's, he doesn't look 41 years old like he is, but he's starting to look like an old man. He is starting, father time is starting to catch up with him. You can see he's slower in his reads. He's, he, he's, he was never a mobile guy in the pocket, but he's even less mobile than he was. He takes a little longer to get up after they bring him down. He's starting to slow down. You can see that. Julian Edelman, I know it from having him on my fantasy team. He's not the same guy that he used to be. He, he doesn't get open as easily. He does, I think those uh, knee injuries have sapped him of some of his speed. Gronk? The, the offense. Gronk is not the same guy. They take Gronk game. out of the garage once a year, and that was the that was last week against Miami. Every, yeah. every other game, they're like, we'll save you for the playoffs, Gronk. We'll save you for the playoffs, Gronk. Don't worry about this. It's terrible. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that and the, the defense was not amazing to begin with. I think that they've, they've shown definite cracks. And I think that once they get into the playoffs, they'll probably finish 11-5, and 10-6, probably finish out strong. But when they get into the playoffs, it's, it's going to be – they're probably going to be the weakest of the AFC contenders. I mean – like, every, every other contender, the Chiefs are better than them. I think the Steelers would beat them right now, even 
even that's debatable. But I, I mean, they, they just beat, beat them, them right but now. I don't, I don't know about, you know, come playoff time. If, I mean, I don't know. That's tough. Right now, the the Patriots ha- are a higher seed than the Steelers. Yeah. But. I don't. But I think they would lose right now if they played. I think the Chargers would beat them right now. The the Patriots are probably going to finish eleven and five. They they've got the Bills and the and the Jets. For the last yeah, two weeks. Yeah, so there should be no problem. So there should be no problem. The, assuming that they win uh, the first round ga- game against whoever, they'd probably play KC in KC. That's a tough game. That's a real yeah, tough game. And in KC against... Who knows? I mean, here, here's the knock, though. You can say that Patrick Mahomes hasn't won, won one of his primetime games because his three biggest games of his career... So far, he's lost them all, including one to the Patriots. But here's the I mean, other is it, was it that, that is was it, it his fault though for Mahomes? But, I, but yeah, but here's the other wrinkle though is that it's very hard to beat the same team twice in one year. We've I seen agree. this all the time with division rivals and with playoff rematches. It tends to go the other way, and that works in the Chiefs' favor. Last little thing on the Patriots before I actually do want to get to the Chiefs. I history has just shown me that this is not an issue. And as much as I would love to jump and jump for joy and say this, the Death Star is starting to to blow up. They still have Brady. They still have Belichick. Belichick is still the best coach in football, and will take a guy on the street and make him a Pro Bowl talent. Just plug him in, into the system. We'll make a play, and then we'll never hear from the guy again. But I don't know. Father time catches up for everybody, like you said. Brady does look a, a step slower. He can still throw the hell out of the ball, and the zip hasn't gone away. But his processor is just a little laggy right now, and that might. And I, I don't think you could say the Death Star is blown up even if they lose a playoff game and don't make it to the Super Bowl. Until Brady looks like a complete shell of himself, this team still has a chance and will still be a favorite to win the Super Bowl. Right. Now, I want to I wanna reiterate that I don't think that... When I say I think they've lost a step, I don't think it means they're going to be terrible for the rest of no. the season and for next season and all of that stuff. I just think that they're not going back to the Super Bowl this year. Next season will be the test to see if they actually did lose a step or this was just a hiccup. Mm -hmm. With the Chiefs, though, their loss to the Chargers at home on Thursday night, I really don't think Mahomes is at fault here. Mahomes has, in all three of his primetime games, and for the season for that matter, has played incredible football. But the defense, the best defense for the Chiefs is keeping 15 on the sideline, and that's what each of the three teams that have beat them in primetime have done late in games. They've kept Mahomes drinking Gatorade on the sidelines, and I don't think you can fault Mahomes or Andy Reid for that. It's just better offensive 
Like, if you want to blame anybody, blame the Chiefs' defense. And I've been battering and hollering the entire year. The Chiefs' defense can't stop anybody. If there's an extension into the NFL from a Big 12 school, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. They have an incredible offense, but their defense can't stop anybody. They're now the they're Oklahoma. They're a better Oklahoma. That's who they are. Now that might win them the Super Bowl this year because it seems like no one has any defense except for maybe two or two teams. But I don't think it's time to just throw the Chiefs off of anything. That they are still the best team in football, I think, right now. They obviously miss Kareem Hunt. They don't have a clear answer to solve his production and the amount of touches that he got. Tyreek Hill doesn't look like the same player since they got rid of Hunt. Maybe he's hurt, maybe he's not, but he's not the same player. Travis Kelsey has disappeared from from the face of the earth. We have to put an APB out for him because he's gone into witness protection. Yeah. Don't I know it? <laughs> so I think I it, have on fantasy that hasn't worked out. I, I just think they're a team in limbo because they got rid of a guy who really made their offense a complete unit. Then they just need a little bit more production out of the running backs to make it worth their while and be a little bit more cre- creative with the way that they get Kelsey and Hill the ball. They also need a complement receiver. Since Watkins has gone out, They don't have the compliment to Tyreek Hill. And in longer situations, they don't have the viable option. You know who would be great for the Chiefs right now? Who's that? That old Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type. Not the superstar, but the borderline superstar that was emerging when Brady would throw them the ball. And like, hey, look at that guy. Who the hell is this guy? Yeah. That, yeah, you're right. They um, need that type of guy. If they could get Chris Hogan right now and, you know, bring him back to life and not make him a corpse, he would be incredible for that team. And the Chiefs probably go to the Super Bowl and win it if they have a Chris Hogan type on their team. Yeah, and they, they were trying to do that, I think, during the offseason. They were trying to turn um, Garrett Dieter into that guy who's a, a – guy they had out of Alabama who filled that role for Alabama. And we know how much Nick Saban's teams tend to look like Bill Belichick's teams. So I think they were trying to do that with Garrett Dieter, but it just it just doesn't look like it's worked out yet. He hasn't really been on the field at all that I've seen. And he seems like he's been they they seem to give rave reviews from him on the scout team, but he ha- that hasn't translated into a game yet. And it's uh, it's probably too late at this point in the season for that to, for him to step up and really be that guy. Staying in Kansas City, transitioning to the other team that played them, the the L.A. Chargers of San Diego. The Chargers have came alive. Everyone who picked them in the preseason, that hype train is proven to be a hundred and ten percent correct. This team is dangerous. Phillip Rivers finally has the weapons and the defense that he needed in the prime of his career. And this might be in his, his uh, extended prime 
with what he's doing right now under center, they look like they're the best team arguably in the AFC. I know I just said that the Chiefs are one of the best teams in football, but the Chargers just went into Kansas City, one of the toughest places to play in the league, and came back from a two-touchdown deficit and went for two on a... And that call, I will always love the call on the road, let's go for two, we didn't come here to tie, especially against a team like the Chiefs, who... If you tie the game and we go to and they go to overtime, you might not get the ball back. So I I will always love the call and will always back the call even if it doesn't work. I'll back yeah, it like the, with what Carolina I, I did. I'll back it. Too. Everybody, go for yeah. two on the road. Always. That's always the play. Yeah, I, I love the call too. I mean, because it's like you said, what have you got to lose? You know, you're going especially for them because. You're going to be at 10 wins regardless of whether you lose or not. So two games left, 10 wins already. It's going to take a miracle for you not to go to the playoffs. You're almost certain to get in. So what have you got to lose by just trying? Either it works and you get the leg up on the Chiefs for the division title. And they don't even have well, – that's the thing. They don't even have the leg up. So they're just bettering their chances – to see well, they, if the Chiefs fall off a little bit here in the, in the last two weeks to yeah. snag the and division they, they race. They, they very might. well might. This is, this is the best Chargers team since um, uh, 2009 when they went 13-3. and three. And the this Jets is, beat them. This team, what, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that game. But this is, this is a fantastic team. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a hot take right now. I think the Chargers are going to the Super Bowl this year. The way that the defense is playing and the complimentary football that Phillip Rivers is playing, he's playing his Pro Bowl garbage time self in actual yeah. clutch situations. The throw to, to Travis Benjamin is one of the best throws all year. The call for Anthony Lynn, who... Anthony Lynn was almost out of a job last year, and now is a playoff caliber coach, and everyone's backing off of him and saying, look at Anthony Lynn. He's actually could be a really good coach in the NFL, which is mind-boggling to me from the position last year where let's fire him, he's terrible, Phillip Rivers deserves better. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't love Anthony Lynn, but I kind of like this Chargers team, and I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. This team is a Super Bowl contender. They are right now 10-1 to of the fifth team in the Super Bowl odds. We'll get to the other two that I think are legitimate Super Bowl contenders, but let's read the odds as they stand December 17th at 2.33 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay. Saints at 1 at 2-1. The Rams at 11 to 2, Chiefs 13 to 2, Pats 17 to 2, then the Chargers at 10 to 1, Bears at 15 to 1, and those Eagles with Nick Foles 150 to 1. Might be a value play right there. Might be. You we might know go, Nick Foles' history in the playoffs. You got you might if I'm betting out of all of the top 5, obviously you want to pick the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. 
or to win the Super Bowl, but the Chargers at 10 to 1, Chiefs don't have a defense. Patriots, we just went over. The Chargers look like the most complete team in the AFC right now. And that completely that can completely flip in the next two weeks. And the Chiefs could ride the ship, win yeah. out, be the number one but, overall seed, and we can say, what the hell are we thinking? This team is going to go to the Super Bowl with a really good quarterback at the helm. Yeah, but I mean, right now, looking at it, I think we're—I think it's going to be a—I'm I, I, telling you right now, hot take, I think it's going to be a Chargers-Saints Super Bowl. I think we're going to get the Drew Brees Bowl, if you will. And, uh... I don't know if it comes down to it. Maybe it's Philip Rivers' year. He's we we know how much he wants to win a championship to to match the the accomplishments of Big Ben and Eli from his draft class. We know how much he wants to to take this Chargers team over the hump. How funny would it be if the team that plays in a soccer stadium is the Super Bowl champion? It would be the move to LA would have worked, paid off then. Yeah. Because now you would have you would have the Super Bowl champion and a team on the rise in the Rams. How funny would it be if it was an LA Super Bowl? Oh, I didn't even think about that, but it could be. That would be that would be wild. I I would I actually really would like to see that. I I want to see Saints Chargers more. But I would love to see an, um, an L.A. Bowl, the Hollywood Bowl. Stan Kroenke, if that actually would happen, would be punching himself in the face for not getting the Rams' new stadium built earlier. Yeah. Because they probably would have hosted the Super Bowl this year if five years ago they actually approved the move to L.A. and they moved to L.A. sooner than they did. But... He would be, I don't know if he would be kicking himself that hard, though, because I think he'd be walking around with actual cartoon dollar signs for eyes all <laughs> Super Bowl week. The other Super Bowl contenders to wrap up this podcast, at least in my opinion, there's two other really legit dark horse Super Bowl contenders that aren't the Rams and the Saints. First off is the Mitch Trubisky-led Bears. That defense is not 2015 Broncos caliber or 85 Bears caliber or any historic defense that you want to name caliber. But it is the best defense in the NFL, and it does provide a massive shield for how bad Mitchell Trubisky is. All Trubisky has to do is not completely be garbage, and they'll win a lot of games, and that's what they're doing. They went in, they posted Aaron Rodgers and the corpse of the Packers. They blew the doors off of them, even though it was a seven-point game at the end, or a ten-point game at the end there. I really like this Bears team, and I think that this Bears defense is enough of a deodorant that they sneak into the NFC Championship game and, and give themselves a really good chance to, to go to the Super Bowl and win it. That's how good Khalil Mack is. If the Raiders need any other or any other proof that Khalil Mack is the best defensive player in football, he transformed a borderline good team into a borderline Super Bowl team. 
I couldn't agree with you more. I think that, and I, I, I actually don't think that Trubisky is that bad. No, he's I, terrible. He is, he is awful. Just, I really don't think so. I've seen flashes. I don't think he's a good quarterback, mind you. He's Bortles. Flashes. I've, I don't see that. i got to be honest with you. I don't see Blake Bortles. I've seen flashes of him where he actually looks pretty good. He's got some zip on his fastball. He can move around a little bit. He makes some nice throws. And he's perfectly built for that cold weather, playing in Chicago, playing in outdoors in Green Bay. He, he's built He's built for this team and this roster. So I don't think he's that. I think he's a game manager. I don't think he's Blake Bortles because Blake Bortles can't even manage games. He, but I think, regardless, we can all agree that the Bears' defense is probably the best in the game. Oh, Blue it's unequivocally the best in the game. What's that? It's yeah, unequivocally the best Mack in the game. Isn't, if Khalil Mack isn't defense, defensive MVP, I don't know what people are doing with their lives. And the Bears are going to be a legit contender down the stretch. It's probably going to be, um, they're probably going to be a third seed. So that divisional matchup, whether they go to the Superdome or whether they go to uh, the Coliseum out in LA, that's going to be quite the matchup, especially if they go out to LA, the rematch, the grudge match, if you will, that would be a lot of fun. I would love to see that more because I don't know how I feel about this defense against Breeze in the Dome. I would give the upper hand to Breeze just because, you know, that the Superdome is going to be rocking, not to say that the Coliseum won't, but there's a different energy in the Superdome than there is out in L.A. But I would love to see the rematch come playoff time. I agree. I think that if it went to the Superdome, the Saints would have it, but if it goes to... LA, I think it could go either way. Last thing before we get to the credits. We'll move to Title Town, Philadelphia. The oh, yeah. Eagles are alive. There's a pulse in Philadelphia. Nick Foles might be the greatest athlete in the history of Philadelphia sports. He might yet again shock this team back to life, and bring them to the promised land. It's not impossible for that to happen. And there's a massive Ewing theory with Carson Wentz. It might be time to trade Carson Wentz and give Foles the money. Am I nuts here? Uh, you are... For now, you are nuts. I have to... <laughs> I don't know. Because if he wins another Super Bowl... If he does win another Super Bowl this year, uh, especially with this team that's not as good as last year, I will start to put real stock in that theory. But for right now, I think you're crazy to say that because Carson Wentz, we know how talented this guy is, and we know how streaky Nick Foles is, and we know how bad he's been in any system except Philly, which makes you, I mean, he's in Philly, so you think it doesn't matter. But it, it should it should give you um, pause a little bit. But this guy, I mean, talk about Hollywood Bowl. If there isn't a Hollywood movie about the Dick Foles story in in 10, 15 years, like this is this is made for that kind of he's out rockying Rocky. 
every time you think he's done, he, he gets up and he, he goes right back to it. And he's going to be, there's going to be statues of him in this town. He's going to be one of the most celebrated figures in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania sports history. I can already tell you my family that's Eagles fans, they love this guy. He, um, I mean, it's unbelievable. The fact that he, he's just something about him. I don't know what it is. He just, when it's crunch time, when he needs to, to win, when he needs to put the team on his back, something changes and he just gets light in his eyes and it ice in his veins. And it's, it's, it's really incredible. I've never seen anything like this before. Look, the reason why I say trade Carson Wentz is there is a different identity with Nick Foles under center. It's unexplainable. It's mind boggling. It's also great. What he's doing with this team, now I know it's one game and they went to LA and they beat the best team in the NFC, but he took this team to a, a Super Bowl last year and beat Brady when Brady threw for 400 yards and looked like prime Brady who won five Super Bowls. He beat that team. And I honestly really think that if you trade Carson Wentz, look, it's a quarterback-driven league. It's not the worst thing in the world to get rid of, rid of Wentz. You're going to get a top pick for him. And maybe he just needs a change of scenery. But full, this is Foles' team no matter what. I don't think that's uh, – I really don't think that that's crazy to, to say anymore. He comes in, and this team is different. So he's going to have a player option. I would give him a boatload of money. I would trade Wentz for a very high pick, maybe to a team like the Raiders who need a quarterback. You can get that one of their be- four picks. Or two, maybe two of their four picks. Like, I would seriously consider trading Carson Wentz if you're the Eagles and making Nick Foles the the quarterback of the future, especially if he gets the playoff spot and propels this team into a deep playoff run. There's something about, and that this happens for a ton of guys across sports. They're uber talented. And you're just you're saying to yourself, if they could just get healthy, they're going to be a superstar. They change the scenery, they have a couple of bumpy years, and then they rise to glory somewhere else. That could be Wentz's career, and there's nothing wrong with that. I still think Wentz is a, a Super Bowl caliber quarterback and a, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, but I don't think Philadelphia is the right uh, place for him. It's an interesting thought. It really is. Um, I still need to see more before I, I were to come on board with you if I were. But, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's just something about this guy that this team seems to really respond to. I don't. I can't put my finger on what it is. It's it's that X factor. It's that it, he's got it. You know what I mean? And it's it's just it really is it's amazing to watch i i i'm stunned i have no words for it 
and the Cowboys and Giants collapse at the perfect time, too. It's like Hollywood stuff. It's like a fairy tale. There's something about Nick Foles and the NFC these past two years, or in the NFC East the past two years, that strikes the fear of God into me if I'm an opposing team. Look, no one goes into L.A. and beats the Rams. It hasn't happened this year. No team did it so far. They were undefeated at home. And Nick Foles went, hold my beer. I'm going to take this team back to the Super Bowl. He looked like the, the guy who brought this team back to the Super Bowl. And even if they keep Wentz, I would bench Wentz in the last three weeks of the year, put in Foles, get three wins, bolster our chances to get a higher playoff seed, and then put Wentz back in or something. Like, this guy in crunch time is awesome, and he's incredible, and he's a Pro Bowl-type caliber player. There's something about him, and I, I know he, he's been utter garbage when he's left Philadelphia, but he's in Philadelphia. He obviously loves the water. There's something in the water there for him that's <laughs> juicing his veins and making him a superhero. But come on, really. And I would love this. In a parallel universe, I would love to see that happen. I wish this was a video game and we could save right now and then fast forward a couple of years to see what Wentz could be or what Foles could be as the number one quarterback. And I don't know, man. It's just, it's an amazing theory that I hope comes to fruition because I like both of the guys. Hell, I have Carson Wentz on my fantasy team, and when he's in the lineup, I win games. He's a really good quarterback. He's a really dynamic quarterback. But I see... Maybe I should consider signing Nick Foles. Like, there's something about him. But... That's where we'll end the podcast for the day. And we've now entered the credits. Nick, do you got anything to plug before we get out of here? Same stuff as always. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, follow me on Instagram. At Nick Parodies. All of that good stuff. Uh, subscribe to The Hard Truth on YouTube. Video, two-part video about UCF is coming soon. I don't know. Again, I don't have a timetable, but it is coming soon. It's going to be a lot of fun, I promise. Um, if I can get support into my, um, my, um, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> if I can get, um, if I can get um, good support on that video, uh, then that'll be great. You can edit that out. That's fine. I'm um, keeping that in. What? I'm keeping that in. Okay. Um, anything, I'm trying, do I have anything else? Um, oh, go see The Favorite in theaters, because I saw it, and it is my favorite movie of the year. Very funny, very darkly funny, um, beautiful to look at, excellent performances, and I think it's going to be a, um, it looks like it's going to be a big Oscar contender, and it absolutely deserves it. Great film from the director of The Lobster which is also very funny. Um, you can check out The Lobster for free if you have Amazon Prime because it's um, free on Prime. And you can check out The Favorite in your local theater. So, I think we just that. found another segment. 
movie review, movie recommendations from the Hall of Famer. But all right. On this side, again, it remains the same. The walk-on radio show is on its winter break. It's coming back, I believe, the 29th of January. I could be wrong. Uh, it could be a couple weeks later than that. But it, it is moving to Tuesdays in the morning. The Excelsior, the same thing, winter break. They are not putting out any papers for the rest of the semester or the year. So I will be tabled to that until uh, late January, early February. However, this podcast will still be going on. I have a podcast with the Cuz lined up very, very soon. It should be happening at some point this week. Uh, Dayton again will come will come on, and I I have a couple of other podcasts as we get into the new year with some old guests that have been on the show and some new guests that I am really excited to to dish out, as well as my blog. It is continuing. Uh, my most recent piece is on Bryce Harper and Machado and why they haven't gotten signed and why I think it's bogus that they haven't, and the whole battling the analytics crowd again. Although. For everyone who's saying I'm anti-analytics, I'm actually with you in some parts. I do cast off at a certain point, but I think there is value at looking at, at these analytics to a certain degree. I will still always value the eye test over that in any sport, especially baseball, but it has reached that time of year where past the winter meetings, uh, a, a time of year that was Nick and I's favorite time of year. But yeah. it's reached the point in, in the winter where I'm just longing for baseball and I, I want it to come back. I'll do anything to read and consume anything baseball content. But if you're listening to me ramble on at this point in the show, why haven't you subscribed if you if you haven't already? Share this podcast with anybody who you'd like to think would love to hear two New Yorkers ramble about sports and just talk nonsense for an hour or so. Subscribe, share. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. Huge thanks to SeatGeek. I haven't said this in a while, but huge thanks to SeatGeek for sponsoring this podcast. Again, use my code at checkout to get $20 off your first purchase. You'll thank me later because you'll get a live sporting event or just live event, period, and having the time of your life. So, if you're new to this show, we have a saying here. It goes, if you're, it's from the sweet words of Semisonic. It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you cannot stay here. Peace. Peace.